Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hey, Bills Mafia. Welcome to the very first episode of the Mafia Mavens podcast, a podcast all about our beloved Buffalo Bills from an all-female perspective. I'm your host, Danielle, and together with my co-host, Robin, hello, we look forward to bringing you fresh new Bills content every week. Okay, so let's dive right in. We want to start with an introduction. Some of you already may know us from Twitter, at Danielle Renee BB. D-A-N-Y-E-L-R-E-N-E-E-B-B for me, and at Robin Mundy, Y-O-R-O-B-Y-N-M-U-N-D-Y-W-Y-O for my cowboy-loving co-host from Wyoming. But if you aren't familiar with our crazy Twitter personalities, we want to talk about who we are and how we became fans of the only NFL team in New York. So, Robin, I'll let you go first. Well, thank you very much. And I'd like to start by saying I'm excited about working with you, Danielle. Me too. And I'm looking forward to our adventures together. (laughs) Yay. Yay. So, I was born and raised in Western New York. I moved to Wyoming about 30 years ago, and unfortunately, until DirecTV came along, it was really hard to get much information about the bills. When the internet started, I was a moderator on the Buffalo Bills message board for, gee, I think it was almost 12 years. And my username there, for those of you that might remember me, I know Bruce Exclusive does, uh, Wild Bills fan. That was my handle on the Buffalo Bills message board. After that, I moved along to the Bills Mafia dot com blog and I wrote for them for a few years and in the last couple years I've been the editor-in-chief and I'm proud to say that Danielle joined us for a series that we're doing this year called the Godmothers of Bill's Mafia so I'm very excited to join you with this podcast great Robin I love how involved you are with the Bills all the way from Wyoming I think that's fantastic and thank you for also being my (laughs) co-host so a little bit about me. Um, I am currently the social media manager for Buffalo Rumblings. So I you know, handle their Twitter accounts, their Instagram accounts, their Facebook accounts, things like that. Um, but how I became a Bills fan is a little interesting because I grew up and am from northeastern Pennsylvania, kind of in the Pocono Mountain area. And because of that, most of the fans are Eagles fans and Steelers fans. And then we have some really random, um, like, Cowboys fans and Miami Dolphins fans. I don't know where they came from, but it is what it is and whatever. So what happened was my dad actually started liking the Buffalo Bills around the time I was born, which was in 1985. I know a woman's never supposed to tell her age, but I personally enjoy aging. I don't mind it one bit. Except for the aches and pains, of course, Robin. <laughs> um, so anyway, what happened yeah, was because I, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> because I was daddy's little girl, 
um, you know, I decided to like the bills right along with my dad and we would have our certain rituals and things like that where we would have our hats on and we had one of those really big boxy 60 inch like big screens and we'd run up to the screens with our hats on commercial breaks or during a big play we'd rub our hats on the screens and my mom would be laughing at us and it was a good time. Um, it was a big bonding moment for us and you know I remember when Eric Moulds was drafted I was sitting out back and he came running out and said, Danielle, we got Eric Moulds. I'm so happy. And he did a dance around the yard. So that's basically where I started to become a Bills fan. And I remember growing up in the 90s, I always thought that it was a normal thing where it was the Bills went to the playoffs, the Bills won the AFC championship, the Bills went to the Super Bowl. And of course, last four Super Bowls, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, so it was kind of a rude awakening for me as I got older. Because it was like, well, okay, now these bills aren't winning. What's going on? So I kind of had to really start understanding the game of football and realizing that they weren't always going to the Super Bowl and, and really, in fact, hasn't happened for a very long time. So um, anyway, that's how I became a Bills fan. And I think that's enough talk about us. Let's talk about some Buffalo Bills. Okay, so the Kings of New York and actually New Jersey, since the Bills are the only team in New York, um, are 2-0. and And they took advantage of a pretty bad Giants team on Sunday. They also squeaked out a win in week one versus the Jets, who are pretty depleted and they're not very well coached by Adam Gase. Let's be real. So do we think that the Bills are that good, or are they the beneficiary of two teams looking like they're imploding out of the gate? What do you think, Robin? Well, I think it's too early to infer very much at this point in time. Um, it's hard to say whether or not the Giants are a bad team because mm -hmm. of Eli Manning. We know Saquon Barkley's right. He's one of the best running backs Absolutely. in the league, in my opinion. And, and the Jets are a tire fire. I mean, mm -hmm. let's let's get real. So I don't know. I don't know if we have enough information, but I suspect it's a little of both. So the Bills may not be as great as they may have looked in the first two games, but I think there's definitely reason for hope. And I think I agree with you there, too. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, Eli Manning didn't even play all that terrible. I mean, he, he was okay. Josh Allen definitely outplayed him in that game. Um, and... I know during the game, you know, the, the giant defenders started to really come after Josh Allen and the offensive line had a few broken plays and things like that. So it's, I don't think they're as bad as we think we are, the Giants, which also leads me to believe maybe the Bills are a little bit better than some people would think. Um, and the Jets, of course, but the, the Jets did still have Darnold before he actually had Mono. So, you know, they might be a tire fire right now, but... They weren't necessarily yeah, that, was, that bad at the very first game. But the first game is fluky. You never know really what to expect from either team. So It's true. And I watched the Jets play with the Browns last night. And the Jets' defense actually is pretty good. I think so, too. Um, I think so. They were solid. It was the offense. You know, they couldn't move the ball. Right. I agree. And it's as much as Greg Williams is a jerk, I mean, he's still a good defensive coordinator. So I think that really the Jets and the Giants have semi-decent defenses that we went against and good defensive coordinators on each side. So 
I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a both of, you know, the teams kind of didn't come out strong out of the gate. But I also think that I saw a lot of improvements from the Bills that I really liked, including, you know, Josh Allen and, you know, the defense and things like that, that it would really lead me to believe that they are getting better and progressing. So let's move on to Josh Allen. I know that you love your Josh Allen because he's from Wyoming or played in Wyoming rather in college. Um, We've only had two games to evaluate him, which isn't a large sample size by any stretch of the imagination. But what are we seeing from him in terms of progression from year one to year two? Well, I am actually starting to see his fifth year Uh, I watched Josh play for three years at the University of Wyoming. So it's been more of a progression for me to watch him go from Laramie, you know, to the NFL. And now in his second year in the NFL, you can tell that he has taken a big step forward compared to where he was at. Mm -hmm. Even at the end of last season, when he had a great game against the Miami Dolphins, he is He's able to read and react. Um, his his ability to read defenses and, and react is vastly improved. He's getting the ball out faster. The other thing that I've noticed is, and this is what I've been harping on about him in terms of what he needed to work on during the offseason, is hitting on those short to intermediate touch mm-hmm. passes with less velocity because a lot of receivers last year were dropping passes because he threw the ball so hard. Um, he's learned to have some more touch on on that. His decision-making is way better, way, way better. He's starting to trust what he sees more because he's recognizing what the defense mm-hmm. is showing. And I think that's huge. But the most important thing, and you know, you guys will come to find out that I love talking about the intangible aspects of uh, – of quarterback development, his leadership on the field is obvious. You know that this is his team now. The players respect him in and out of the huddle, on and off the field. Um, he's working both on the sidelines, if you watch him. He's working both the offense mm-hmm. and the defense, which Jordan Poyer thought was kind of amusing that he would come over and yes. start firing up the defensive players. Um, in fact, on Twitter, I heard I heard that he said something on the sidelines along the lines of, um, just get me the ball back after he had the turnovers. I'll get my <laughs> shit together. I love that. I loved it. I love that. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, and I, I absolutely agree with everything you've said. And I think what's interesting is we're now starting to see him call the correct protection um, on the offensive line. Like, I love that. I think that's fantastic because he didn't do such a great job with protection last year, but he's getting so much better at it. And as far as decision-making in the giants game, obviously the, the jets game, we saw a lot of turnovers from him in the giants game. If he saw that a play was going nowhere, he threw that ball into the ground. I mean, he threw it away and got rid of it. And I love that because that's such a smart play for him. And he's a smart guy. And I think he just needed to get out of his own head in order to play like that. So I think that's, you know, some improvements that we're seeing. And like you said, the intermediate throws um, and his leadership, his leadership has always been there, but I think it's just gotten so much stronger this year. Um, And I think, what was it during preseason? I can't remember which game, but when somebody slammed into Frank Gore and it was like a late hit, 
and he came running over and got up in the defender's face. That's a leader. That's that's the kind of quarterback that the rest of the players will gather around and they want to play for. So I think he has all of the intangibles, all of the physical tools to improve. And quite frankly, I do see him improving, even though it's only two games. Hopefully he'll continue that throughout the rest of the season. Absolutely. I can only add to that, that, you know, throughout the rest of this season, people need to remember that he is only in his second year. And it was never really intended that he was to play last year. And the Nathan Peterman Mm -hmm. experiment blew up and he had no choice. It turns out to be a good thing that he's doing that. But I think at the same time, we have to remember that he is a second-year player coming from Laramie, Wyoming, which is a little different than playing for Alabama. Absolutely. He just had so much less college experience and professional coaching at the college level than the rest of the quarterbacks coming out of the 2018 class. So I completely agree with that. Um, So yeah, hopefully Josh Allen continues to improve and he can be really the franchise guy for our team. Um, So let's move on to the defense a little bit. Sean McDermott believes games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage. What happened to the Bills' defense on that opening drive when the Giants moved the ball down the field with such ease and then scored a touchdown? How did they tighten it up so fast and basically shut down Saquon Barkley from that point on? It was kind of amazing when you first started watching because I turned on the game and all of a sudden the Giants were up 7 to nothing, and it was like they just ran through the defense like butter. Uh, But afterwards, several people said that the Giants ran, I think Lorenzo Alexander talked about it, ran a scripted up-tempo offense and made it really difficult for the defense to adjust because they were having to adjust on the fly. So in the past, we can remember way too many times, Danielle, where when that happened, it was like, oh my God, there goes the game. And that did not happen. And this is something that I, I see as a real point of growth for the Bills this year is that they stayed calm. And the defense talked about that. Jordan Poyer talked about after the game that they remain focused because they are seeing themselves mm-hmm. as unflappable. It's like throw anything you want at us and we're just going to you know we're just going to take it and we're going to we're going to do our best we're not going to overreact to anything we're just going to go back on the next play and do it again i think that's huge hi we're visible we're the wireless company with nothing to hide seriously hidden fees we don't have them annual contracts not our thing great wireless on just one line now that's more like it get unlimited 5g data powered by verizon for just 25 dollars a month taxes and fees included that's right 25 a month every month sorry hidden fees we're just not that into you sometimes the choice is just visible switch today at visible.com rate with service on the visible plan for additional terms and network management practices see visible.com yeah you're right and the funny thing is that people kind of blast john mcdermott a little bit for his preaching of the culture all the time but the culture is a real thing the players thrive in his culture He wants to create a winning mentality and a brotherhood mentality. And I think that he's done such a great job these past few years as head coach in doing so with these players. All of these players that he has are bought in and they believe in each other and they want to win for not just the fans, but for each other. And I think that is 
huge as far as their mindset on game day. And I think that, like you said, you know, they came out kind of flat on defense and that worried me. I thought, here we go again. And I was actually really worried about Saquon Barkley from the start because, you know, living in Pennsylvania and being a Penn State girl, I already knew before he even came out of college that he was just terrific. So going into this game, you know, I was like, oh, I I really hope this defense can get itself together. I mean, I know they're a great defense, but can they stop Saquon Barkley? We've had issues in stopping the run before. Is it going to continue? So the first series, it was just, I just lost it. I just got really, really upset and I had to gather my own self. And I think what happened was they kind of also wanted to see what packages the Giants were going to run on offense. They wanted to see what they were coming out looking like. So I think that has to do with it as well. And once they adjusted, I mean, Leslie Frazier has been around. He's a great defensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing. He made the adjustments that he had to make, and they tightened it up. And he really didn't have, what did he have, maybe like 50-some yards after that, after that first series or so. So they really bottled him up, and I think they did a fantastic job of that. I'm glad that the Bills were able to come out of that with a solid victory. I, you know, would like to have seen them not um, go into a prevent defense right before halftime. I wasn't exactly thrilled. It, it kind of mm-hmm. smelled a little bit like Dick Jerron, you know, playing not to lose instead of winning. You know, there was over a minute, I think, left before the half, and they could have gone for a field goal. And they just kind of kneeled down and went in. And I'm not real sure that I like that. And they come out in the third quarter. Then they're kind of, you know, in the prevent defense mode. And it, it shook me. And that bugged me probably more than anything else about the game. And fortunately, they were able to put it back into drive and, and put the game away. But I don't want to see any more of that. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny because there was, you know, some argument going on on Buffalo Rumblings Twitter because Matt had tweeted that he didn't want to see them kneel down and he would have liked them to have gone for the throat and went for the touchdown or went for the field goal as well. Um, And I'm kind of on both sides. I understand that logical line of thinking, but I also thought, well, the Bills were starting to get kind of sloppy at that point. So maybe it was a good idea for them to just kind of reset. Okay, let's take a, take a minute, stop, take a knee, go into halftime and make our adjustments. So, you know, just in case, I mean, what if, you know, he, Josh Allen would have thrown a, a pick six or something at that point right before halftime, then it really would have hurt us, you know. So I can understand both points of it, but I also had the same feeling of view of a Dick Duran kind of situation. So I, I completely understand that. Um, and yeah. I think when they come out, they came out after halftime in the third quarter, they were just kind of flat all the way around. And some things could have gone the Giants' way, and it didn't. And if it had, maybe the Bills wouldn't have won the game. So that's something where I would like to see as well. They keep, you know, pedal to the metal, keep their their feet on their throats at all times because I just I don't need to have a heart attack while watching the game. I'm only you know 34, so I think I agree with you on that point as well. All right. So let's move on to the Bengals a little bit. So they're 0-2. And let's be honest, they're wounded cats at this point who will probably come out swinging at New Era Field. The Bills absolutely cannot overlook Cincinnati while looking ahead to the Patriots on Sunday. 
What else has you nervous about this game, Robin? Oh boy, there's actually a lot that makes me nervous. Um, starting, we could start with Andy Dalton. Um, Andy is kind of a Bills killer. And um, even though we like him very much for all the wonderful things that he did with Tyler Boyd to get us into the playoffs, I would like to see us give him a very nice ovation when he comes into the stadium. And then I hope we can kick his ass. <laughs> um, our defense really needs to um, play it tough because he is going to pass the ball a lot. Their running game isn't really I don't think he's really gotten off the ground very well and their defense can't be counted on for much. So Andy Dalton is going to have to be productive in this game for them to have a chance. And so our defensive backs are, are going to need to play their, you know, play their game. And I might add just because it irritated the hell out of me. Um, people who were criticizing Tredavious white last week and, you know, the giants game, mm -hmm. I thought he looked fine. And I think sometimes we nitpick a little bit. Um, I think our defensive backfield is outstanding. And we're going to see just how outstanding they are on Sunday at New Era Field. Yeah, I, I don't like the flack that he's catching either, to be honest. I mean, there was some catches that were made, but he tackled them right there and they weren't long catches. It's not like he gave up like a 45 yard pass. It's that was the game plan and he stuck to it. And I mean, what more could you ask for? I believe that every time I saw most of the catches that were made on him, he was, you know, the, the receiver was really well covered by Trey White. So I think people need to lay off a little bit and start actually watching the game um, instead of just kind of looking at a stat line or, Oh, he caught the ball. He's terrible. You know, things like that. Um, but also, I want to say that I think something that I'm really nervous about, someone that I'm really nervous about, is Wyson Ross. Because through season, he's had, what, like 270 yards already? Um, and, you know, with Thread Rifle, you know, those two paired together, I know that their offensive line is banged up. I know, they, you know they'll be without Cordy Glenn, who waited to them. A lot of people on the offensive line are hurt, are questionable, things like that. But John Russell scares me. I mean, he's he's a good wide receiver. So I really want our elite secondary to step up and hopefully they can control him. Right, right. And turnovers. Our defense needs some turnovers. That will make a huge difference. If, if they can get the ball back, keep Andy Dalton off the field and Tyler Boyd. Um, keep them sitting on the bench as long as possible. Some nice long drives. It's mm -hmm. going to be interesting to see what happens with Devin Singletary. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about, I guess we'll find out maybe today, um, which is Tuesday when we're recording. Um, but I'm curious to know whether he's going to be able to play or not. If there's any question about him playing because his hamstring is tight for whatever reason, I would I would be in favor of him not playing. Oh yeah, sit him absolutely. He's going to be in better shape, you know, uh, against the Patriots. T.J. Yeldon, we haven't seen much from him yet, and I'm curious to see what Dayball might do with mm -hmm. him. He's a pretty decent blocker for one thing, which you know that that should be very mm -hmm. helpful. Uh, but we haven't seen very much about from TJ Yeldon, even in the preseason. So I'm very curious to see what Dayball has up his sleeve. Yeah. And, you know, they, 
the coaching staff actually praises Yeldon and they say that, you know, whatever role we put him in and whatever we ask him to do, he's ready and he's okay with, and we really appreciate that. So I like having Yeldon on this team and I really hope that, you know, like you said, if, if Devin Singletary can't go against the Bengals, then I hope that Yeldon can step in and kind of take over his place. And I think that he can, especially with the Bengals defense not being so great. I think that he'll do just fine. And I'm honestly with you. I think that they should just sit Devin Singletary if there's any questions about his hamstring at all, because the game that we need him back for is the Patriots. Their defense is a lot better than the Bengals defense. So let's sit him and rest him and then go from there. The one thing I do want to talk about too, I think that'll be important in the Cincinnati game is tipped passes. Our defense has really been getting at the passer as far as, I mean, they haven't gotten as many sacks as I thought they would have by now, but they're putting pressure on the quarterback and they're causing tip passes the line of scrimmage, which I absolutely love. Harrison Phillips um, just did it against the Giants game and he also recorded half a sack, his very first career half sack. And I think that's going to be important in this game. I think if we can create some more of those tip passes, there's bigger opportunities than four turnovers. So I think they kind of go hand in hand right there. And I'm hoping that they can do that against Andy Dalton and the Bengals on Sunday. And the other thing I wanted to talk about is, like you said, we love Andy Dalton as Bills fans. And we love Tyler Boyd. And we love the Bengals because they helped us get into the playoffs a few years ago for the first time in a million years. So we obviously will welcome him when he comes on the field and maybe cheer him on a little bit. But as soon as the game starts... It's all booze from there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so we just wanted to say that, yeah, we, we love and appreciate Andy Dalton and the Bengals, but come game day, they are the enemy. All right. So we are going to wrap things up here at the Mafia Mavens podcast. Before we go, we want to make sure you're listening to all of the other podcasts from the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. They are so much fun and so informative, and really, it's all the podcasts you need in one place for Buffalo Bills. And they are the Rumblings Q&A, Nick and Nolan Podcast, Circling the Wagons, Bill Leave, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, and Blitzed Bills. And we are so happy to be a part of that community. Thank you so much for listening, and let's go Buffalo! Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.